0: to Human. And I'm your host, Caitlin Walker. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to episode 10. We have reached double digits and so we are going to celebrate today by talking about, drumroll, tears. I figured what better way to celebrate Our double-digit anniversary than talking about crying because it's our party and we'll cry if we want to and let's face it this year has given most of us ample opportunities to cry whether it's from grief anger sadness loss fear joy and here we are heading into the holiday season of year 2020 which the holiday season in general, for many people, presents plenty of opportunities to cry, whether it be gratitude and joy or grief or whatever comes up when we get together with family. And and this year specifically, whether we're not getting together with family because of COVID. And so what better time to talk about crying in the human experience of those emotions in process than now and I was checking my email one morning um, this week and um, I didn't have anything in my primary inbox and so I had a chance to check out the social box of my email Um, and an email from Pinterest had popped up and it captured my attention now I normally don't open Pinterest emails Because uh, or spend much time there because it tends to be a rabbit hole like Alice in Wonderland that I will go down and get lost in for much longer than is helpful or healthful for me to be lost in Um, just like TED Talks, YouTube videos, science articles for me. But the email subject line from Pinterest this week was 14 biology pins to check out. Damn it. They totally had me. Hook, line, and sinker. So I opened up the email, and one of the pins jumped out at me right away, and it was entitled, The Anatomy of a Tear. Double hook, line, and sinker. Biology and emotion in one? Dude. I couldn't resist, so I opened the email, which gave way inspiration for this talk about the tears that we cry and so what are tears well all all tears are made up of the same uh, compounds water lipids sodium glucose lipocalin lysosomes they're really protein rich in nature and they're antibacterial in the released in what are called the lacrimal glands that are located in the upper back part of the eyelid. And and so humans have this gland that's function is to release tears. And in tears in addition to having the same chemical makeup, there are three main layers to tears. There's the inner mucus, there's a watery middle layer that helps with hydration and repels bacteria and then there's an outer oil layer that keeps things smooth and clear got dry eyes Um, and researchers have uh, identified that there are actually three main types of tears that we humans experience and i'll list them briefly here and then i'll go into a little more depth with each one But the first type of tear that we have is called a basal tear, or a basic (laughs) tear, whatever that means, basic. But it coats your eyeballs throughout the day, and it helps to serve as a protective barrier from infection, and it keeps your eyes from drying out. Basal tears. The second type of tear that we have is called a reflex, or an irritant tear, and this, uh, these tears are released from the glands under the eyebrows that really help to flush away irritants um, in our eyes like onions, dust, etc. So you have that huge burst of tears that just flows from your eyes. Maybe you will or have experienced that as this is um, Thanksgiving week for some of us um, who cele- celebrate in some capacity. So reflex and irritant tears. And the third and final tear that we have, or type of tear according to researchers, are called psychic tears. And psychic tears flow in response to strong emotions like sadness, grief, anger, joy. And these are the tears that I started to become more curious about this week. And that I'll spend a little bit more time on fleshing out. But before we get to the emotional tears, which is the therapist is like, ooh, that's like the, I don't know if you're Celtic, like the meat and potato of things, right? Um, We'll talk about the first two just briefly in more detail in case you're curious. And so basal tears, as I mentioned, they lubricate the cornea and they prevent infection, which is really biologically sound. So good job, body. (laughs) Because nobody likes a dry eye, and preventing infection, as we can see today, is vitally important for not only the evolution of our species, but for our overall well-being. So these protein-rich antibacterial tears are really smart. And they're an aspect of our immune system um, That's just plays a part as we've been talking about well-being and immune functioning and immune boosting of the last few episodes, especially as we're still experiencing this global pandemic. And so let's give a high five to our basal tears for doing their job to help keep out bacteria and infection around our eye sockets, which is uh, an opening into our system. And reflex tears, the second type of tear we have, as I mentioned, are triggered in response to some type of irritant. So common one are onions are spices, perfumes or fragrances, right? You might, someone might walk by and all of a sudden you, your eyes water profusely and you're like, holy shit, that was a lot of perfume or cologne or whatever it is. Um, chemicals, you might experience this with chemicals, cleaning agents, bright lights, <laughs> smoke, tear gas. Um, and I had to laugh as I was uh, reading some articles on tears this week after reading the part about tear gas and at first it caught me off guard to read tear gas and I realized, oh wow, that's because of my privilege so I've never actually experienced tear gas and don't experience tear gas day to day and I felt a lot of gratitude and then my mind went to um, pepper spray <laughs> I haven't experienced tear gas but the closest thing I have experienced is pepper spray and I and I had the memory of being back at the police Academy and being pepper sprayed in the face um, and then being sim- beans uh, in a fight simulation for a set period of time I forgot however many minutes I had to be in there um, as tears and snot literally poured out of my face non-stop from my eyes and nose and orifices that i didn't even knew tears could flow from um and so i am intimately familiar with reflex tears and the process in which they flush irritants out of the body and it happens super fast and super strong um and just a special shout out to anyone going into or interested in the police academy they'll probably tell you this um while you're there, but if they don't, um, take note here. When you go home that day after being pepper sprayed and shower for the first time, make sure you lean forward and just trust me on that. (laughs) But interestingly enough, reflex tears contain more antibodies compared to the basal tears. Fascinating. Well, this makes sense since they're triggered in response to some type of irritants. So they contain more antibodies. Again, I'm baffled at how wise our human bodies are. So, so smart. And the reflex tears are also the tears that are linked to yawning, coughing, (laughs) and vomiting. So they flush and clear away. So basal tears lubricate, prevent infection. It's like our first line of defense. And the reflex tears help to clear and flush. And the third and final type of tears are the psychic tears. And again, these are in response to emotions. Like happiness, like pleasure, like joy, like stress, like sadness. In a couple studies have shown that stress hormones are released through these types of tears. Hence why some people feel better after a quote, good cry. Because these hormones that are, at, that are released have a relaxing or pain relieving effect on our systems. So they release stress. How cool! Feel the emotion, cry, release. But we first have to feel the emotion in order to allow the release process to unfold. And further, within these psychic tears, there are high, higher levels of prolactin, adrenocorticotropic corticotropic hormone, leucine. I forgot how to say this. <laughs> Words are hard some days. <laughs> but leucine encephalins, um, I totally said that wrong. Um, just know that it's something about that. Um, poti- potassium and manganese have all been uh, identified within these emotional tears. And some researchers have hypothesized that the release of stress hormones may help regulate the body and help bring it back to our, our homeostatic level of balance but these preliminary findings are still uh, being needed, we need more uh, replicated studies to make that a little more concrete but just know in some of these um, uh, stress hormones; these neurochemicals, neurotransmitters that are released, are actually endogenous opioid peptides, um, and they bind to opiate receptors. Opiate receptors, opioids, which are our body's natural pain relievers. Holy shit balls! So when we cry these psychic tears in relation to emotions, we release the stress hormones. And we actually have a natural pain reliever that gets released in our bodies. That just blows my mind. And it's not something you have to think about or plan out or structure or to do about. It just happens. And again, our bodies are designed to heal and designed naturally to come back into balance. Things get wonky when something goes awry with how our bodies are naturally predispositioned to be and so we can help reinstate that balance by helping reinstate our humanness to feel our emotions to allow tears and crying to unfold. In one of the articles I read looked into the evolutionary process of crying and they speculated that crying was actually developed or adapted to show vulnerability and submission to any potential attackers or any threats in the environment as a way of preventing the attacker from advancing. So it's a way of showing that our guard is down, vulnerability which can be really advantageous to us, especially if there's uh, some kind of threats. And psychologists have also studied similarly, studied crying within the social constructs and has seen it as a way that humans receive input from one another. And so crying in relationship can deepen understanding and strengthen social bonds. In looking at this from an anthropological view, this is really smart when we lived in tribal uh, pods. That crying in connection could help to create more cohesion within the tribe and more understanding. And it functioned to de-escalate things when things would grow in intensity, all with a single tear. Because tears are a way that we can non-verbally communicate with one another. We can communicate distress, attraction, aversion, sincerity. And as infants, this is a primary way of communicating. When we're hungry or upset or we shat ourselves, we can co- we cry to communicate to our caregivers and like, hey, something's not right. And so crying is a way that we continue to non-verbally communicate to our communities, to our loved ones, to our friends. And there's also some research that suggests that people are more likely to feel better after an emotional cry if they're met with social support. And this just kind of seems like a no-brainer to me, so I'm not sure that I need a study to prove it to me. But it was also just kinda cool to read and people love to have science to back up things that maybe they innately know to be true anyways. We tend to have an over dominance uh, on data in our Western culture. Um, So the feel better aspect of crying may be more closely connected to the social connection than the chemical release, but who knows? Both are probably really helpful to us when we're crying in a state of emotion. and again because we are social animals and additionally people corresponded or are more likely to experience catharsis when the tears are corresponded to a resolution of a circumstance or some kind of problem or they've gained a new perspective so the tears help as part of the process to get to some end piece here, whether it's connection, resolution, or clarity. So maybe the tears are actually the vehicle for transformation. (laughs) Rather than something to be avoided, which some of us learn how to do. Um, And one researcher, Jay Efren, at Temple University proposed a two-stage theory of tears. In response to his research, one that we cry, the cry following a stressful that um, that we cry following a stressful event as a way to one discharge the stress, and that two our tears are part of a larger parasympathetic nervous system coming online, which then in ha- in turn helps us downregulate from sympathetic arousal. So it releases stress and then it helps us come back into a place of more cohesion and balance in that window of tolerance. And there are numerous studies on um, crying in women, crying more than men, and um, different cultures right, have different levels of expressed emotion based on cultural values and norms. And so I'm not going to go into those because it's so varied, independent. And I don't want to mislead anyone, but just know. And I think in our Western culture here in the United States, we certainly have some level of stigma and judgment around crying, especially for men. And, And actually even on the flip side for women. Right. If women cry, sometimes they're seen as hysterical or unbalanced for having human emotions, which is interesting. So uh, uh, we have uh, both sides of the spectrum and men, stereotypically, are taught not to cry and that it's a sign of weakness. And so we learn how to turn off tears, cut off crying or to hide it or to feel shame when we cry. But looking at the research here, crying makes a whole lot of sense with these three different types of tears because tears and crying help prevent infection, they help to clear and flush, like a reset, and they help release uh, stress. Those all seem like really sound things and really smart things to me. Unless I'm missing something. (laughs) And according to the American Academy of Ophthalmology, humans produce about 15 to 30 gallons of tears a year. That, now that (laughs) is what I call waterworks. And so tears are very much a natural part of our human experience. They release, they protect us, they boost our well-being. They help us to see more clearly. And I mean that literally as well as figuratively. Because when we're flooded with emotion or we're compartmentalizing so many emotions, it's really hard to see clearly so if we can learn to allow the emotions and the tears to flow then what's often on the other end of that is more clarity or resolution and that actually connects back to that one of the research uh, projects done on tears that I mentioned out of the University of Pittsburgh about like some resolution on the other end of that And so I say, when in doubt, let's cry it out. (laughs) As we're heading into the holiday season in the middle of a really long hard year in a global pandemic with rising numbers and many people's nervous systems have already reached their allostatic load of too much. And with kids being at home, largely online learning, there is so much that we are holding as humans right now. Individually, collectively, globally. And tears are actually, for me, a sign of health. For our eyes, for our immune system, and for our hearts. so maybe rather than trying to compartmentalize or um, managing our way, white knuckling our way through this holiday season, what if we allowed ourselves to feel more and we allowed the tears to flow and we felt the relief of the stress hormones being released out of our bodies Maybe it would help us to feel a little more ease if we allowed ourselves to be more human. And I hate to break it to you folks, but crying is very much part of being human (laughs) in so many aspects, from a biological standpoint, from a sociological standpoint, from an anthropological standpoint. we're meant to be in connection we're meant to feel emotions one-third of our brain is related to the limbic system the emotional brain that's a lot that is something to not just kind of gloss over so let's let it out this season (laughs) what do you say (laughs) loud blubbering and proud allowing vulnerability to come in and allowing ourselves to feel all the feels, the joy, the happiness, the sadness, the loss, the grief, because we can't pick one emotion without having the others. We can't select our emotional experience. So if we want to feel happy, if we want to feel joy, we also have to create room for the grief because one doesn't exist without the other to whatever degree and spectrum that it shows up for us that day that moment. So when in doubt, let's cry it out. What do you say? Let's return to being human and create more compassion and grace and ease going into this holiday season for ourselves and for one another cuz we're holding a lot there's a lot happening and I'd love to hear how it goes for you <laughs> what feels good what what feels tricky If you're like, I don't even know how to feel emotions, what the hell is that? I've been compartmentalizing them for decades. Welcome, I've been there. Um, And I think I have a, there's an episode about allowing emotions and maybe that's helpful for you to listen to or a reminder around how to ride the waves of emotions. And let's reclaim what it means to be human. Let's do it messily and wholeheartedly so if you want to go along this human ride with me this human train with me and you haven't already click subscribe and join me as as we continue to uncover demystify what it means to be human and take some of the freaking stigma out of it and just be allow love learn all of those pieces and I'm grateful for you tuning in and listening to this whenever it is um, I will be thinking of you and sending you love and light this this holiday week here and going into the holiday season and um, let's keep showing up for one another and for ourselves and choose kindness and breathe space around it all when it feels too tight and then forgive ourselves and other people when, when we aren't perfect because it's impossible and so sending you wishes for a restorative, joyful and peaceful holiday and however that shows up for you Know that you're not alone. We're all in this together. And let's choose to love over and over again.